Welcome to the Weekly Dose Podcast, your one-stop shop for the weekly news in incretin mimetic therapies with your host, Man on the Majaro, Dave Knapp. Welcome to the Weekly Dose Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Knapp, Man on the Majaro. That's why I'm here. You're on the pen. That's why you're here. Wagobi, Saxenda, Victoza, Trulicity, Manjaro, Zetbound, that pen. And you're here for the news because that's what we provide on the Weekly Dose Podcast. It is your weekly rundown of all things GLP-1 news. And I can think of no bigger topic to discuss this week than the topic of Nova Nordisk's acquisition of Catalan. Now, Catalan is a generics manufacturer which Novo Nordisk has leaned heavily on for their Wigovi and Ozempic supply. And in this $16.5 billion deal that we announced last week on the show, Novo Nordisk acquired three major manufacturing facilities that by 2016 could really, really impact the supply of Wigovi and Ozempic. And by that time, of course, we'll be looking at the the uh, medicine that is in clinical trials now, Cagrisema, which will be competing very strongly with Eli Lilly's terzepatide. Now, I want to talk a little bit about this because I think that there's a lot to kind of unpack here. So we've talked about how in the GLP-1 arms race, right now it is not necessarily a competition for market share because every single pen that Eli Lilly sells uh, manufacturers is sold. Every single pen that is manufactured by Novo Nordisk is sold. There's no supply sitting on shelves. There's shortages, right? So really this becomes an arms race for capacity. And you've seen Eli Lilly over the last year and a half really aggressively expanding their manufacturing capacity with their facilities in North Carolina, their expansions in Indiana, their announcement of a plant coming online in Germany in the next couple of years. They're really full court press on expanding manufacturing capacity. But one of the interesting things that we learned last week on the Eli Lilly earnings call from CEO Dave Ricks is that expanding manufacturing capacity for these GLP-1 manufacturers is really, really, really a limiting factor, not in a cash flow sense, but in a manpower sense and having the uh, people with the right competency levels to execute the build outs of these manufacturing plants, which require a ton of FDA oversight, a ton of manufacturing logistics, and also a lot of parts, a lot of components that go into the manufacturing of the actual machines that are going to manufacture the pens that are going to fill the pens, right? So right now, what their, what their challenge is with Eli Lilly and Novo Nordisk both is that having the human capital, right, to be able to expand their manufacturing capacity. So what you saw last week was basically Novo Nordisk raising the stakes in a massive way, acquiring Catalant that all of the GLP-1 manufacturers rely on, and many, many, many other uh, pharmaceutical manufacturers rely on to help make APIs 
for their medications to help make the devices, the injector pens for their medications to finish and fill their medications. And with the acquisition, if this goes through, Novo Nordisk acquires three major manufacturing facilities to be able to increase the supply of semaglutide. And as we said, uh, Cagras Sema, once that comes online, 2026, 2027. So if this deal is allowed to go through, we got to think about and unpack sort of the implications for the industry. Right now, you basically have Eli Lilly uh, and multiple other drug manufacturers with over 100 different medications being made by Catalent, this, this generics manufacturer. So not only do they rely on them to keep the supply steady, but they rely on them to keep their intellectual property safe and secure because they're holding recipes and designs and all of this stuff, which is now potentially in the hands of Novo Nordisk, which is very, very fascinating. We heard uh, from the Novo Nordisk CEO this past week that essentially they really intend to honor the existing contracts that are out there. But we have no way of knowing what these contracts are, how long these contracts will be good for. Um, and what that will do when those contracts expire to the supply of not only GLP-1 medications, but other medications across the board uh, that Catalent, uh, presumably their extra capacity will be sucked up by Novo Nordisk's GLP-1s. If they were willing to drop $16.5 billion on this I think they do do so because, again, it goes back to what the Eli Lilly CEO Dave Ricks was saying last week is that this this isn't a capital issue. It's it's having the people to produce. So you see this massive deal swoop in the following week. Well, within days of the Eli Lilly uh, earnings call uh, a couple of days before, in fact, uh, this massive announcement. So you will see you see currently in the news calls uh, by Eli Lilly to have the FTC look into this merger. Uh, you see governing bodies in the United Kingdom even continuing to look at this because this has far-reaching implications if uh, we see Catalent go into the hands of Novo Nordisk. It would be a great thing for the Wagovian Ozempic supply, and it would be, I think, somewhat devastating uh, to a lot of other medications, including Eli Lilly's GLP-1 injectables. And one other thing that we learned as well is that they are not only supplying currently marketed drugs like like uh, terzepatide, but they're also helping to finish and fill products for uh, the clinical trials. So we're talking retitrutide, uh, we're talking Cagrasema, we're talking a lot of clinical trial drugs. And so what do, what happens uh, if if some of these contracts don't go through the end of the retitrutide trials? Or you know, presumably they would, but could this impact the uh, the finishing of some of these trials? I mean, who knows? Uh, but far-reaching implications. I think this would be devastating to the market and create a, a, a very questionable alliance between uh, two different companies that, that I think would ultimately be bad for the consumer at the end of the day, especially as we learned this past week uh, some more information about some some uh, real world studies that have come out that have really really proven terzepatide to be superior in the real world when it comes to diabetes care and weight management care. Uh, make sure that you check out my latest YouTube video on that, uh, which will drop on Wednesday. 
So yes, this will be an interesting topic to follow. We for sure will keep you on uh, on top of all of the information that comes out as it comes out on this specific topic, because this is a very important topic because it impacts accessibility. And there is really no greater topic to discuss when it comes to GLP-1 medications than the topic of accessibility. So we'll keep on top of it here. And thank you for those who uh, follow the channel that help keep me informed on this topic as well. Clark, Matt, Sue the Dude, Cloakster, I really appreciate all the information that you flip my way. One little housekeeping thing that I want to tell you about was this past week, I was able to uh, take part in an interview with a Italian news program called Pressa Diretta. And Pressa Diretta is a uh, television show. So think of it as like Italian Dateline. And they are doing a big expose on GLP-1 medications. And I had the chance uh, to come on and share some of my knowledge about GLP-1, some of my experience about GLP-1s. Uh, so I will really be looking forward to sharing you, uh, sharing with you more information about the Presa Diretta episode that's going to come out about GLP-1s, and it will be interesting to see what track they follow. I kind of had my own take on it. They wanted to know about accessibility, and I, I wanted to make them aware of what where I think the gaps are in uh, lack of accessibility and what I think that is kind of exposing patients to potentially. So it'll be interesting to see the way that they they take that. Obviously, uh, uh, you know, Presa Diretta run by RAI is a Italian media news outlet. So it is controlled by their government somewhat when they have obviously a vested interest in, in spinning things a certain way because these are very, very expensive medications, even though their, their governments are able to uh, kind of arbitrate the price uh, a little bit better than we are here in the United States you're still looking at extremely expensive medications. So it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out. Uh, it was my pleasure to be on the show and they were extremely uh, uh, kind to me in the process. So we'll see how that one shakes out. Did you all hear about this study? This is a really fascinating study. I'm gonna share this with you here in just a second. So for those of you who are members of the YouTube channel, you know that you are getting the video for this podcast early, right? You get this all week and then I release it about a week after it comes out roughly four or five days after it comes out. So the members of the channel are able to see kind of the article here. There are some interesting studies going on about uh, basically hip surgery and semaglutide. And what they found with the hip surgery is they had lower rates of readmission within 90 days of surgery and lower rates of prosthetic joint infection for people who were taking semaglutide uh, before their hip surgery and after their hip surgery. So it was very interesting uh, to see that reduced infections, reduced readmissions for those who are on semaglutide. Why that is? Maybe it's a reduction in inflammation. Maybe it's their weight dropping and that just contributing to overall health. But I'm telling you, the hits just keep on coming with these GLP-1 medications. The, the trials that are being done right now, even as we speak on semaglutide, have been in the works for some time now. So these are going to keep coming like a waterfall. And now that terzepatide has been out for a while, you see some interesting news coming out about MASH studies, a reversal in liver disease, which is just insane. It's actually sent some biotech stocks crashing to the ground because terzepatide is blowing uh, 
previous treatments out of the water. And terzepatide is only scratching the surface on what these GLP-1 and other co and dual agonists can do to basically just melt off liver fat and help to redu reduce uh, the advancement, the progression, and even maybe regress some liver disease. So very interesting stuff. You're going to see these studies continue to drop and provide just amazing news and more fodder for prescribers to be able to make the case with insurance companies that they need to cover these medications. Now, we've talked about this uh, a lot recently on the channel that a lot of this news that's coming out uh, for these studies on both semaglutide and terzepatide are going to be great backdoor ways into getting access to these medications if you are on Medicare Part D, because as you know, right now, it is illegal to prescribe weight loss medications through Medicare. And we talked about the genesis of that being in, in the old school obesity medicines that were largely stimulant-based and obviously have an older population on Medicare with potential heart issues. They just wanted to avoid people getting on weight loss medications and having heart attacks or cardiac events. So they outlawed it. So it's literally illegal at this time. We need to change that. We need to advocate for that change with things like the Treat and Reduce Obesity Act. But in the meantime, your backdoor way, if you're on Medicare Part D, is to see some of these studies come out, like the, the data that's going to release later this year for terzepatide in the sleep apnea studies, in the studies that they're doing about heart failure uh, and in the studies that they've already done for semaglutide, right, for Ozempic, uh, the select trials. And that, that data uh, has been submitted to the FDA. Hopefully, we'll have some labeling later this year for semaglutide for heart failure, right? So these are going to be your backdoor ways into getting weight loss medications without them being billed as weight loss medications through Medicare. So this is really good news for our friends on Medicare who really, I think, are the kind of um, population that has gotten the short end of the stick on these GLP-1 medications. And if that's you, I hope that you'll continue to follow and stick around for more great news that we have as it releases about these GLP-1s, because I think there's better news ahead and brighter days ahead for those of you who are on Medicare Part D. That's what I got for this week's news. I try to keep it to 15 minutes every week. I hope that you'll join us this week on On the Pen, where we have Dr. Allo, who is a cardiologist an obesity medicine specialist and has lots of great information to share. So he's going to be the guest on On the Pen this week. It's going to be a little bit of a different episode as I'll be on the road, but excited to have Dr. Allo come into the stream and lend some of his expertise. So I hope you'll join us Thursday night and every Thursday night at 9 p.m. for On the Pen. And thank you for being this week a part of On the Pen, the weekly dose. Until next week, we will see you on the pen. Thanks for joining us. Have a great week.